Yeah, sorry. I thought Michael had something juicy to say and then just shut up, like muted it. He's like, oh, I forgot to tell you. And then I muted it and then he just didn't say anything. So it's just like, what? <laughs> I'm so sorry. I was waiting for some juicy gossip there. Nothing came out of it. Uh, that's okay. Normally I start the podcast with my voice, but I know where I'm going to be starting it this week. That's where we're <laughs> going to kick off. Welcome to episode 152 of The Cool Room. Uh, my name's David Griffiths. I'm one of your co-hosts uh i will introduce mr warren Wu in two seconds time but i just wanted to say a big thank you to everyone who came along to our live show last weekend black arts it was a real treat a really fun afternoon and hopefully lots of people come along and join us at beer deluxe this coming sunday uh for a tasting of what's in their cellars and then stick around for some other really good online events that we've got coming up. Uh, next week is something I am super excited about. Schlenkler are going to be joining us live from Bamberg in Germany. The week after that, we've got Slow Lane, who we've had on before, uh, bringing some of their Australian takes on German-style beers. Uh, what a sensible point to leap off into this episode with, because we're going to be talking about a similar thing tonight. Mr. Warren Wu, how are you? How was your day? Uh, good, thank you, David. It was really good. Stayed dry, got to work from home. That's always good. Uh, yeah, well, Dry is important in Melbourne today. It's not been a dry day. It has not. No, although apparently the worst is still coming. Yeah, so uh, there you go. Yeah, us Melburnians talking about the weather. Um, <laughs> yes, and how are you? I heard you had a little bit of drama. Well, I wasn't anticipating drama. Amongst all the other things I had to do today, yes, I was going down to buy my sausage roll down the street today and the um, the beams on the power poles collapsed and all the power lines went over each other and exploded. It looked like the start of a WWE show, SmackDown, not Raw, for those who know the difference. Um, it was truly, truly spectacular. And, um, yeah, no power down in that part of Flemington. And then I spent an hour or so down there with the local traders as the smoke literally cleared. I It almost it genuinely looked like something out of a movie. It's quite amazing. So we're like, we're, we're like less than a kilometre away. And I noticed there was a flicker in my in the power supply in the house, but no more than that. So, yeah, go our gold-plated power supply. Um, <laughs> so before before we did the introductions, we talked about Slow Lane Brewing, who are doing German beers, uh, which was really nice, and they've been on before. But our guest today has always also been on before. It's is the third version of the podcast we're going to do with Burnley, which is super exciting. Gee, I hope I got that right. Is it third, David? It is. It is. We've sniffled a little live show in there along the way that I'm sure we'll talk about, but three-time, three-time visitor to the call room. Yeah, which is amazing, which is even more amazing because hopefully they haven't remembered what was recorded last time. So when I asked (laughs) Michael to introduce Chloe... And tell us what Chloe's favourite beer is. We'll get an evolution of the introduction game that we always play. Well, David asked us to introduce each other last event we were together. Mm-hmm. Michael's was so bad. Like, <laughs> I was hyping him up, like, 
the best brewer in town, baby. He's so lucky he's in the room with you. Look at that man. Look at those eyes. He could cut a car in half with those eyes. And then he's like, oh, yeah, this is Chloe. She's a Leo. Why did you mention my star sign in front of a bunch of scientists, dude? Like, like a hundred scientists, hell? not just what a bunch of hell? scientists. A hundred scientists were in there. And we go, let's go straight for, well, I don't wish to use your name in vain, Mr. Warren, but um, with all of this woo pseudoscience stuff. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, so it is notorious that Michael is a particularly bad hype man. I also don't know he if he knows what I do at Burnley. So he's always like stifling to find like, I know she's sometimes there and sometimes on a road. Sometimes she eats a lot of sandwiches. So it's a bad introduction for sure. Is, is that your introduction of him as well? Like, is that, is that all <laughs> yeah. you're No, because he's always at Richmond. He's always at Dandenong. So it's easy to identify where, where he's going to be. So I definitely just derailed that. I'm so sorry. <laughs> That's okay. I mean, tell us about how about rather than your favorite beer, which we're, I'm sure go back and check out the archives, new listeners. Um, so many good episodes back there, especially the ones with Burnley. But rather than favorite beer, favorite sandwich. Dude, um, this is no word of a lie. When Michael and I, this is a long story, I'm turning into my mother every year, so I'm, I'm glad that I can doc- document um, it so publicly. <laughs> when Michael and I were moving back to Australia, our original idea was to have a really small brewery um, and a place that had two sandwiches on the menu daily, so they were rotating through because there's one thing I am good at, it's panic attacks and making sandwiches. So the Ooh. idea was it was meant to be super, super limited menu, um, high volume kind of shit um so i love a good sandwich my mom makes the best sandwiches my friends used to ask for them for birthday gifts um because that woman i don't know what it is it's the country queensland fingers um but it's definitely um actually that is a fucking hard question i am gonna say hectares anything from hectares absolutely slaps um if you haven't been you're doing yourself a disservice i've got to say sorry i need to i'm old comparatively the phrase anything from Hector's absolutely slaps yeah that imparted no information to me okay (laughs) I'm constantly bullied by younger people like none of (laughs) so it's great it's great for my language ability um basically Hector's is a sandwich place in Richmond they do incredible stuff and because they're so close to the brewery we go there pretty regularly and the sales team is run on a system of favors so if somebody does a favor for you you have to buy them a sandwich um and it's essentially our love language and hector's just seems to be the place but i think the word slaps slaps say. is good i believe yeah right that's that's thank you michael thank you, you just yeah, nice. <laughs> but is there a particular like tell us there's got to be something inside the sandwich that appeals on a certain like you know tell me what tell me what michael's go-to sandwich is and vice versa well, not to trigger him, the other day I did buy him because he's not oh, in the city God. that often. So I <laughs> bought him. I was like, he's had a hard day. I'm going to bring this man a sandwich. That man needs a sandwich. Um, I bought him this sandwich back from Hector's. And the thing is, it's the cold saw to dip to chicken ratio because the chicken, whatever drugs they're giving those chickens are working. Um, so I bought it back. The bread was chef's kiss. I've driven all the way back to rye. I drop the sandwiches off on the bench. I'm walking away to bring my bag in from the car. We hear this rustling and both of us. Oh, no. Oh, oh, no. It is devil dog Daisy that has eaten this man's sandwich. (laughs) Like like legitimately seconds. Seconds. Yeah. God, she was waiting. She was waiting. Um, (laughs) So anyway, it's the chicken. The chicken is really good. The um, deep fried, like the 
deep fried chicken yeah deep fried chicken or like well, I'm, I'm yet milk. to know so daisy had my one yeah and that was going to be my first one so yeah. I, i'm yet to know but definitely treat yourself to hectares if you're ever in richmond it it does remind me we obviously the podcast for new listeners hopefully there's lots of new listeners it always happens when burnley are on is all about what happens behind the scenes in hospo land and I, I may have told the story before but it's one of my most scarring sort of experiences in working in hospo that i was at the bowls club working till about three or four o'clock in the morning got home and all we had were two pieces of bread didn't even have butter had a bit of vegemite toasted the pieces of bread put the vegemite on lay down on the couch with the plate put the plate on my chest sort of thing picked up the tv remote and the dogs came and took the two pieces of bread oh my god and there was just nothing and that, that was it it was for there was nothing i could do I just i'm so sorry and stared so sorry, out the window at the universe that had made my life come back <laughs> also the worst part is you know you'll always love them mm. Yeah, uh, maybe in the morning. I've got to say there was a a bit of intensity in the house that night. <laughs> <laughs> Not the veg my toast. <laughs> and anyway, I hope all the listeners are enjoying sandwich talk here tonight. On yeah. the uh, <laughs> um, Michael, your story about Chloe's favourite sandwich. Let's go with that. The Leo. Yeah. <laughs> But the worst part was how he said it. He was like, oh, obviously she's a Leo. Like, <laughs> sir, what does that mean? <laughs> uh, surprisingly enough, we kind of understood, I remember. I think there was a lot of nods. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, got it, got it. understand. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, well, Chloe's favourite sandwich is obviously her mum's. You know, a bit of, bit of good cheese, bit of a chutney on there. Yeah, my mum's like, a like very an onion good chutney. country gal. Very, very good stuff. But then, like, a lot of butter in the pan with the bread's fried on. So it's... Yeah. They're fucking... They're very delicious. Um, so, yeah, I'll say that'd be your... Well, it's just a mum sandwich. It is. I love a mum sandwich. Yeah. There's go. a bit of frying. So that's a bit of there's a bit of frying going on there with the bread and things like that. It's, uh, yeah. So the, the yeah. trick is to put the um the cheese. So you put the butter, you put the bread face down, obviously in the pan, the bit of butter, turn it the other way around, and then put the cheese on that side that you just cooked, and put the cheese down on the pan again, and then build it on the other side. So you get double cheese, and then the cheese is actually on the outside, so it's crunchy. Oh, I see what's going on there. <clears throat> Double crunch. I, I like it a lot. I've got to say, I've shouted out to the Three Bean Salad podcast before, one of my favourite podcasts, very silly stuff, who spent a couple of hours this week discussing whether salads were cooking or not. Uh, but right. it, sounds like, it sounds like your sandwiches are cooking as opposed to Yes, that's true. But do you think that conversation then leads nicely into it, are you making a cocktail like is making cordial a cocktail because you are mixing shit well they argued that emulsification was actually uh cooking uh okay. so than just general mixing of liquids but the, this, emulsification is this is an interesting gear good dive i'm gonna think about this i'll i'll text you at 4 a.m <laughs> they also said that in France, every regional mayor has the right to call in a salad to judge personally whether it's cooking or not. It's completely untrue. That's but that's very much the three bean salad way. I it's a check out the episode about oh, anyway. Just check it out if you've not also, checked it. Back before. to me wanting to start a cult. Three bean, great name for a cult. <laughs> <laughs> Now, 
Um, <laughs> we, we rarely derail ourselves as terribly early as we have tonight, but we have derailed ourselves. I, I've I, only got a small portion. Like, and, sorry, Warren, are you going to ask the question I'm ask, going to ask about the dam water? Are you going to move it back to the beer? Because I was... The dam water? The dam <laughs> The ham water? The ham water. Ham, wa ham water. No, that's right. No. I knew it was. That was um, intentional, by the way. You know, <laughs> you know, like, I, I was thinking about the cheese, this whole cheese on the outside thing. You know, like, the Sizzler toast, the Sizzler cheese toast. I don't know anyone who's old enough to remember Sizzler and the cheese toast. Corey, nod your head. Thank you very much. If the way they did that was they used the powdered cheese, you know, the, the parmesan, which isn't in the fridge. And that's and they kind of toasted it. So use the parmesan was not in the fridge, so one out of the container. Mm. Put that on the outside, and you get this ridiculously crunchy kind of yeah. So sizzler toast. You'll look it up. Yeah. That's all gonna get cut, so that's fine. But yeah, yeah. so for anyone who's missed the first one hundred and fifty-one episodes of the podcast, <laughs> normally we talk beer. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do that now because we've got this delicious smoked hellas in front of us. Um. The smoked lager, I should say. Let's talk, let's talk our way through this, guys. Please. Sure. Um, do you want? I oh, know. I'll, I'll start with this one. All right. I'm going to start with this one. So yeah. So well, you just said smoked hellas, which uh, which isn't which isn't incorrect. We call it a smoked lager because you know it's a much more approachable name, but it is a hellas Ralph beer, which is a a a pale smoked lager. Um, and the reason why we brewed this beer was because. Uh, while living in Germany, we would visit uh, Bumberg uh, quite often, and Bumberg is the home of of like over a hundred tiny little tiny breweries, and they all specialise in smoked beers because the the Beechwood smoked malt originated in Bumberg and is still made there today. Um, so yeah, so once we're in Bumberg and we're trying smoke beer after smoke beer, Weizen and smoke beer, Weizen and smoke beer, and that's all we're having. It's a lot of flavour, a lot of character and stuff like that. And we're just like, oh, geez, we just just need a Hellas, just a nice pale lager, just to just to chill out because we're just having flavour overload. And so we we both order a Hellas, and we start drinking it, and sure enough, there's a slight smokiness to it as well. And it's not what we wanted, but damn it's what we needed at that point of time because it was just so tasty it was such an amazing beer um and essentially from then on i was always like i need to i need to try and uh brew this style at one point um and then when coming back to australia i kept just seeing chloe is that something that we could do is, is it and chloe's like mm, i don't think australia is ready for that yet <laughs> so um but then yeah, one of um judd who is a crafty client um editor in sydney and now uh a reluctant friend as in like i wanted to be friends with him he had no interest and now my friends um <laughs> asked me if i could do one one day and i said um like jokingly said he would love to see one and then four weeks ish five weeks later i sent it up in the mail um and michael was so bitter about it because like i thought you said you said you couldn't sell it i was like i didn't want to sell it <laughs> i probably could have <laughs> um so yeah we really liked linking beers back to really special memories like it's a really fun way for us to kind of like um especially during lockdown share things that were so unattainable in that in that moment um we also love the 
history that comes with Bumberg just inherently. Um, the, uh, the label design was um, based around my one of my favourite moments in Futurama where um, Bender becomes a wrestler and is on the phone with a, another wrestler and he basically has his, girl, his legs up like a teenage girl and um, the guy's like, stop calling me and slams down the phone. So the idea is they're meant to be speaking to each other um, across ideally the idea that they would be at a tap bank um, and talking to each other across the tap bank. Um, but it was so cool seeing the, the reaction to um, this design online. Like we have a weird laughing community that we work with and sponsor their festivals and they absolutely loved it, like got dressed up in their gear and took a bunch of photos. Um, so it's cool to see beer being interacted with in a way that probably we wouldn't have ever thought of. Um, and that for us is really, really exciting, um, especially when it comes to a beer that is so uh, close to both of our hearts. Well, so if you don't yeah, know what you explain? is. Yeah, thank you. Ex good, oh, yeah. Michael. Great, it's great, great hosting there. Action play. Play. Oh, so, oh, my God, baby cake. Actually, give me $800,000. Um, <laughs> and it's basically like if the Knights tail the movie, um, <laughs> Was your sexual now you're losing language. me? I was with you until that point, actually. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it's basically people dressing. No, up. it's essentially D and D, so Dungeons and Dragons, yeah, but, but like, like in real life. So you get to, uh, yeah, dress up, assume a uh, assume a character, and yeah, and yeah. So one of our amazing sales rep, Jake, is actually an actor, um, uh, incredibly talented actor, and he has. Um, he does a lot of like Shakespearean education courses. So they train you up on like how to hold um, uh, Sword. swords correctly <laughs> and like all this niche shit. And it's always really exciting to see other people's hobbies that you before then didn't know existed. Um, so when Jake came on, it was kind of like a really cool way for us to um, get to know his hobbies in a, in a more um entertaining way so like all of his friends were super excited that they <laughs> were... harry Oi. you're fucking up um that they were represented um so yeah anyway um <laughs> so yeah for us it's a really really exciting beer it's um everything that we try and do at burnley tends to have like a couple of reasons behind it and like us sharing um the lagers that we hold really close to our heart um you know pushing our graphic designers to do something fun that she'd never done before it was kind of um meant to be kind of that all-inclusive callback to how we normally like to run things awesome can we ask sort of a couple of those technical questions and you know you know we love our nerdistry you know where are you getting the malts for this from do you have to do anything yourselves to them like you know how do you actually what's the technique behind the beer so this is uh, is as traditional as as it can be, so all the malts are from uh, from Germany. Uh, hops are from Germany. It's a it's a German yeast strain that we that we propagate here. Um, it's old school, slow, low fermentation, so low temperature, long fermentation, um, and then also a long lagering period. Uh, it's just really really traditional. Um, we also will run this through a centrifuge to clear it up, make it nice and clear. So if, if you do have it in the glass in front of you right now, um, then you can see it's crystal clear. It's a beautiful golden colour. Um, so, you know, a bit more like a tad bit darker than your traditional just plain Hellas beer. 
um, because that's that's how these beers normally uh, present themselves. Uh, a nice, beautiful white head with uh, with nice, you know, tiny little bubbles. And uh, and yeah, so it's it's just a really traditional Hellas uh, Ralph beer. So, but yeah, but we do source all of our ingredients from Germany because we want to we want to be as authentic as possible. Also, also uh, German purity law, so it is just the four ingredients. I'm not using any additives or brinades or anything like that, uh, which actually all of our lagers are. Uh, well, no, hang on, no, that's not true because there's other, you know, fruited lagers and stuff like that that we've done. But like all of our traditional styled lagers are um, always in accordance to the German purity law. And and again, you know, obviously we've got people who are long time <laughs> listeners, but also newcomers to it. Just remind us what a, what the German purity law is, because we're going to be spending a, a month here in the cool room talking with yourselves, German brewers, people who love these styles. It just oh. really explain the Reinheitsgebot, if I'm yeah. correct. Yeah, no, you said that uh, brilliantly. So, uh, so yeah, I, I think it's about time that I quit and never did anything again. Podcast. Yeah, <laughs> better than that. Moment. So, so the the German beauty laws uh, started officially as four ingredients. Well, it started with three ingredients prior to in whatever, but it was officially four ingredients from the 23rd of April in 1516. So it's now, what is that? 506 years old. I've never heard the date before. Mm. Sorry. I don't think I've ever heard the 23rd of April mentioned before. Oh yeah. So 23rd of April at at, at like, uh, like 11.45 or something. It was just before midday. It's the true meaning (laughs) of Easter. Um, So yeah, but um uh so yeah so what 500 and what i say 506 years old um and so it's just water uh malted barley um water and and yeast but the most Um, sorry the most germ thing about it was it's actually introduced as a taxation thing Mm. so um the only reason weizen really survived is because it had strong links to nobility in bavaria which is why it's so popularized there. But it's the most German thing ever to be like, we're going to tax you and it's going to have some niche rules around it. And we're not going to explain why. And also it was a way of uh, making sure that brewers and bakers were able to have access to uh, to certain grains as well. Um, so, yeah. Anyway, so that's the German beer law, four ingredients um, for 506 years. That's fantastic, especially the bit that felt like a Monty Python sketch where you started out with three, no, four. Keys. Yeah. Because <laughs> well, before, uh, before in, uh, it was just three to begin with because yeast was not known. Like it, like they didn't know what yeast was. So it was just water, hops and, and barley. Um, and so then when it came to be that, oh, actually, yeast actually does something, then that was added. So, it's yeah. a good question that Corey was more or less asking in the chat there. And if you want a, a deeper examination on the effects of taxation law uh, on brewing in Europe, go back and check out our episode with St. Bernardus, or, uh, which is now 30 or 40 episodes ago, where they moved, the monks moved the entire brewery uh, from one country to another uh, because of avoiding taxation laws. And Laura and I were <laughs> so trying to remember their name. The other day. It's insane. I would probably do that if I'm, if I'm being honest. I've got enough time. <laughs> now how is everyone else going with their beer because i'm about ready to move on but i don't want to rush people i think i'm we- taking that as a yes yeah i think we can move on I'm- let's let's go over to the vison then and then perhaps mm. on the on the way that as we do that 
can we perhaps have what we haven't done amongst many things, because we got distracted with sandwich discussion tonight, <laughs> was just that really basic introduction of where the brewery is, particularly for our oh, overseas yeah. listeners. Right. Give us a bit of where it is, what the vibe is, and what it's like to rock up there. Right down the um, Sorry, I totally cut you off then, what'd you say? No, no, just right down the road from Hector's, apparently. I was about to say. Yeah. <laughs> we are very the loves Hector's. Um, no, so we, uh, we've got two things. We've got a restaurant and brewery in um, Richmond on 648 Ridge Road, famously near Hector's. Um, <laughs> and it is a um brew pub that has um we've recently just knocked into next door for an event space as well um so we mm. are very lucky to have the space that we have um the vibe in richmond it's meant to be uh, our long-term goal is to make, make it the most accessible friendly venue uh brewery at least in melbourne so we're working um pretty intensely next year to pick up on some blind spots where we haven't um haven't really been paying, paying a lot of attention with so like if you're um vision or hearing impaired there's like a space where um you're represented um we uh have a full incredibly talented kitchen down there as well um the tap room tell us, is, tell us a bit about where richmond is even remember we've got all these new thailand shout out to thailand oh true i apologize um so richmond is um commonly referred to as the island because once you get there you never leave the only reason we left is because we couldn't buy a house um so it's right near the yarra river which is a um which michael and i actually grew up on in Warrandyte, hence why we're so attached to it. Um, and it is about 15 minutes from the CBD in Melbourne. Um, and it is also home to another famous Hoiberg, i.e. my brother. Um, and that's all I've really got. <laughs> and occasionally a seal comes up the river? We yes, yeah. yeah. So Burnley's logo is actually a seal and our um, number one dog. Uh, we've got two famously, um, Harry. So um, during lockdown, especially um, its name is Salvador. We call it Sa Sally. So we've got Harry and Sally. Um, and basically it frolics along the river, which is incredible to see. It's kind of disgusting how much shit is in that river, like eels. Um, so when the private eels, no, hang on, eels are a natural part of it. Let's be clear. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm going to stand up for the Yarra at that um, point. It's just like you, know, a, you don't realize how big they are until you see them. Yeah, but they, they are natural. It's not like out of you know. People say these disgusting things in the Yarra. They yeah. don't normally refer to the indigenous yeah. wildlife. Yeah, species. so I mean, there's disgusting things out of the Yarra, i.e., me. Mm. So it does make sense. <laughs> um, but you forget how big they are. It's kind of shocking sometimes. Anyway. Also, but also, have you ever googled where eels come from? Yes. Yeah. Right. Just, <laughs> yes, I have. But like, just no one knows. Isn't that weird? SOC, aren't they all? Don't they all go to one place? Yeah, I've. I, it is really weird, Michael. I'm totally with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm just it's like, having, how is yeah. that? Mummy daddy eels. Everyone typing mummy daddy eels in the chat. Just yeah. Like... <laughs> <laughs> the amazing um, thing is, Warren, they still go up like the Mooney Ponds Creek. They yeah, literally yeah. find a way up through that. So that's like, what I mean. How do they get from where they breed to there? Just absurd. <laughs> Life tings. Um, <laughs> yeah, so Richmond. And then our production facility that's in Dandenong, which is um, about 
half an hour from the brew pub um, that has gone through some serious um, upgrades lately. Um, incredibly proud of all the team down there and all the stuff they do because they just kill it with every brew. We also do contract for a couple of other breweries um, there as well. We're quite lucky to have that facility. Um, uh, but, yeah, that's basically us. We're currently working on a third venue as well that's along the peninsula Ooh. that is arguably one of the biggest pains in my asshole. <laughs> um, just because of um, the, the site is incredible, like it's a farm um, but the Peninsula Council is, uh, not to trigger anyone in the chat, but um, mm -hmm. the Peninsula Council is interesting to deal with. <laughs> Why does everyone complain about local government? I just don't. Because it's it. easy. <laughs> 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 um, no, but we're very lucky with the um, two and then the three that we'll have. Um, yeah, very, very lucky with the sites that we have. Now, I'm not sure how official that is. We're going to count that as our 714 scoop, regardless of whether you've spoken about that before. Yeah. yeah. Well, the, yeah. The, third, the third thing is actually a joint venture with um, our family and a couple of other people. So it won't be under the Burnley name, but it will be um, a lot of Burnley um, experience behind the, the helm, which will be really exciting. Um, should we talk about the beer? Yeah, dude, this is, oh my God. Okay, I'm going to steer this conversation. I do apologise because I know it's very much your podcast. Before this, I was on the phone with the guys from Bracket because we're planning our next collab. When oh, we were, sorry? With Bracket. Okay, cool. When we were up in Sydney, we were lucky enough to do a brew day with them that for us was probably professionally one of the best days I've ever had in my life. Like it was such a restart for both of our passion in beer. Like it was just incredible. The guys were so welcoming, so lovely. It's just amazing. And so also so very different from what we do because, you know, we, we do traditional lagers, vites and stuff like that, whereas they, they really specialise in really triple dry hops, double hazy IPAs and stuff, something that's very different to us. So mm. to be able to be with them and sharing knowledge with one another, us lagers, them, their, their um, for lack of a better word, like hype beers. It was just really, it was, it was just so like, cool. oh my God. Very, very cool. So also just, yeah. a relationship that we built at Gab's. Um, very, uh, like I just annoyed the shit out of Charlie and um, now we're, again, forced friends. Um, <laughs> so that was one of the best days. And that chat that we had, I just had that with them, like was making me tear up because we were saying to them how important this beer was to us. Like we pour our soul into every beer at Burnley, but this is us. Like it's our history and it's like the things that we love to share with people and love to see people drink for the first time is also the reason why we've put our staff through so much shit lately with upgrading the facilities. Um, and the fact that they could kind of taste the passion and um, why we were so excited about it was honestly one of the most thrilling compliments I've ever gotten. Um, and the fact that it was from someone who we both so highly respect um, as the bracket team was such, such an incredible honour. Um, so yeah, we're so, so excited to be able to, um, have this in the way that we wanted to have it last year. We did it on a smaller scale down in Richmond. Um, and this year we decided to completely upgrade the brewery at massive expense and arguably one of the worst times in, um, like in, uh, history, uh, not history, that's a bit dramatic, but like <laughs> lately, um, to do it. So, um, cause yeah, cause as, as Chloe mentioned, the, uh, 
gain on production facility went through some yeah major expansions and i essentially designed that entire brewery the cellar the packaging line the uh the brew house all around this beer so that i could brew this beer <laughs> and uh and yeah so um so for the last so let's, can, can we add a little bit of structure to this conversation i don't so i feel like there's a bit of sort of knowledge because you guys and i did a live show a while ago where we talked about some of these things let's go back and just talk about the beer that's in our glasses how it should taste and look and smell and well, yeah, then let's talk guys, about sorry. how you no no that's good you know, the enthusiasm is I, I love it but then let's talk about what you need to actually make that kind of beer because i think that might sort of illustrate the journey you guys have been on recently yeah right, cool so so the um so the Hector's okay. sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, if I was going to pair it with a sandwich, um, <laughs> actually, I will loop back to that. Yeah, so it's uh, meant to be, um, uh, somebody described it lately as the banana skin flavour. So it's not sickly sweet. It's not um, putrid banana. It's not fake banana. It's kind of that true banana smell. That like if you ever open up a bag and left your uh, banana, your school bag and you left your banana in there it kind of has that same vibe um there is some bubblegum notes in there definitely some people pick up the uh clove um but it kind of depends like if you're used to um exposing yourself to clove um but it's thick it's creamy i'm so sorry daisy's decided to drink like a camel yeah no i was i think it's really important that you explain that because there's no way that's not coming through in the audio so that's good <laughs> i'm so sorry our perfect dog harry had to drink some water then he's normally it, it's, little... it's none of us with the drinking problem yeah um actually harry's in the most uh, background of most podcasts i'm glad there's a theme um yes yeah, so it was meant to be thick and creamy um really naturally as well the head is like the true mark of the vites and that's kind of where that coolness of um the specialty glasses come into play but um for us the vites is a really natural stepping stone into beer for a lot of people there's hardly any bitterness if you've been drinking neepers it's a really natural progression um it's just an incredibly beautiful beer if you do drink Neepers or hazy IPAs, then this is the original hazy beer. So, you know. <laughs> I think um, it's a really interesting link to draw. I hadn't thought of it, but yeah, I can see why you say that. Mm. Yeah. So, like, it, um, all my friends who aren't big beer drinkers always drink this. Like, this is my mum's favourite. This is, like, this is really a really great um, starting point for a lot of people in their craft beer journey or even their beer history. Um, the... A, the IBUs are really low. The only negative sometimes you can get super bloated from it, um, but I also get bloated from cheese. So come see, come see. <laughs> and super bloated. There's an X T-shirt that we're making. So oh, you know, <laughs> with sort of an SB inside the lo- the logo of Superman. I think you know that's yeah. it. yes. Um, so yes, as Chloe was saying, the um. The, yeah, so the, the biggest uh, points of the Weizen is the banana and clove. And, you know, you got some uh, Weizens that are like really heavy banana or really heavy clove or you, or you get that perfect balance. I find this one is that beautiful balance of the two, uh, which, is, which is how it's been designed. Um, and then, um, and then uh, yeah, so that's, that's it. And it also has like a slightly higher carbonation, so it's a bit more spritzy. Um, which means you're also going to burp a bit more. Um, so, um, yeah, anyway, it's, uh, it's, it's 
my favorite beer to drink and brew is something that I've always wanted to put into the core range, which we will now do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and yeah, we're very uh, happy to hopefully um, have it, have it uh, make a bit of a, bit of a Weizen rise in Australia. Mm. What, what particular aspect of this beer do you like brewing, Michael? Like what, what's, yeah, it was, it's like particularly because of that discussion where it's a, it, it sounds like an integral part of how you've, you've kind of put the new, the new brew kit together. Yeah. You, how does that, yeah. How's it all tied together? So um, we always talk about how yeast is essentially the brewer's job is to make an environment for the yeast and the yeast is what is actually making the beer mm-hmm. um, because it does the whole, the conversion of sugars into ethanol and CO2. Um, but you need to manipulate the wort and the yeast in such a way to create these beautiful ester profiles, so the banana and the clove, um, that if you get one step slightly wrong, you're off by one degree here, or your or your oxygen uh, your oxygen that you're um, putting into the wort is is slightly low or high or whatever, you're going to get a completely different balance of the clove and banana. So if you really just mess up the tiniest bit it's like oops that's uh that's not how i wanted the beer mm. so it's it's a really tricky tricky thing to to do so it's it's not like you can you can hide i don't know you can hide a fault with a with a massive dry hop or with some roasted malts like if you make a mistake here i mean it's very similar to a lager if you make a mistake it's going to be noticeable so yeah, so I think so. The reason why I like brewing it is because it, it is it is a complicated beer to brew, but then the result is just amazing. Can you talk a little bit? I, I was genuinely fascinated. We spent a bit of time together at the Walter and Eliza Hall Institute a couple of weeks ago, and some of the questions that were coming from the crowd that night were really specific about how the esters are formed and the processes yep. you've got to go to the yep. stress that you put the yeast under perhaps I, I, yep. can you explain that bit in particular because i think that's yep. a fascinating sort of thing mm. for people to learn about yeah for sure so um so yes yeah, so the esters that are produced by this particular yeast um is actually called a pof positive yeast which is a phenolic off flavor positive yeast so phenolic is normally a, uh, a, an off flavor, but it's something that you really want in a Weizen. So generally when you see that on a, on a yeast, it's like, okay, I can't stress this yeast out because it's going to throw off these off flavors. But we want to manipulate the yeast and stress it out so that it does do that. So what that means is that you're, you're going to give it uh, a low cell count. So, it, so there's, there's, you know, the yeast cells don't have, need, you know, don't have <clears throat> that much, I don't know, power by numbers to do their work you're going to not give them that much oxygen so that they um abuse someone just said <laughs> um uh someone uh so and then you're not going to give them that much oxygen so they also don't have that much opportunity to to um multiply um so to to give them more um strength and power uh, numbers um and then there's yeah it's just that sort of stuff and because it's it's the yeast is then uh stressed it's going to work harder and then sweat and then that sweat you know for lack of a there's a good way of explaining it then that sweat is then the the esters that that's being it's being created so by making the yeast work harder it's it's giving off more uh, more aroma um so the 
and with the building of the wort, you need to also have the building blocks for these esters. So the two esters that we want to have at the end is for the clove. It's for uh, for for vanilla. I can't pronounce it probably, but for vanilla gaiacol, and then for the banana, it's iso as oh Jesus, am, no iso amyl acetate. Um, and so they're the two uh, final products that we want to have in that in that um, beer. So yeah, stress the yeast out, make it work hard, uh, and then it'll it'll give us those uh, those aromas. I'm going to pick up on a question that James has put into the chat, and in a second we'll ask people to start to type their questions and they can ask them themselves. But I think it's a really good one. You know, how James's question is: Do they teach you yeast stressing in beer school? And we should talk about the fact you've been to Germany and done like beer school properly. But I guess to put it even in a sort of a bigger context is, you know, how much of this is science and how much is art? Like how much of it is just getting a feel for how this particular batch is going and what you've got to do with it? So um, I guess each brewer is different. I I, I, I do know of brewers that that's just go by, you know, oh, yeah, no, it's about that and, you know, it's a bit of an art thing. Um, but how we do it and how I was taught in Germany, which is very, very German of them, it's, it is a science. So um, so uh, at my school, um, so I, I went to school in Germany um, where I did three years of an, uh, an apprenticeship where I'd spend two months at boarding school, um, learning the theoretical knowledge. Then I go back to the brewery for four months doing um, the practical knowledge and go back and forth for two years. So I essentially send, uh, spend a whole year at boarding school and then two years uh, in a brewery doing the practical knowledge. <clears throat> and then after then I continue to work in breweries and stuff like that in Germany. Um, but yeah, so at, at, at school, we learn um, the, how to stress the yeast, what we want to get out of it, how to build the work building blocks to, to get those things um, both in, because Weizen was our example ale um, and, and Hellas was our example lager. So those were the two beers that we would always come back to as examples of how to do it in the real world. Um, because, you know, there's not many ales in Germany. They're all lagers. So Weizen was, was the perfect example for them to, to teach us things. Um, so, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, no, we do um, learn those at school. Um, and I was taught it as a science thing. Um, but, I, yeah, I, I think people would also just be like, you know, it's chucking a bit oh, of this. But we like have that. a friend, and it depends what part of Germany you live in, because there's some seriously religious parts of Germany. Oh, yeah. He works with. Um, I'll probably not name drop. Okay, he works <laughs> in like a super super religious part, so they actually don't do it scientifically. So one of the inner suburbs of Berlin, I presume. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't often do German down. jokes. I got away with that one. I'm pretty yeah. happy with that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, in like Munich area. And they actually don't write anything down. It's basically just like if God wants it, he'll do it. So, so they, uh, sir. So, so they, um, so they, they would have a, a, a lot of problems with their lager fermentations. And, um, my friend who I went to school with was very like, you know, well, we can fix this, you know, let's get the cell count right, the oxygen right, you know, blah, blah, blah. Let's get the propagation right, everything like that. And they're like, no, no, God will help it. And it's like, what? Mm. <laughs> so, yeah. So, art form, 
There's <coughs> science and there's also religion in beer, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, Dave, that look on your face, like immunologists feel the same way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's probably how scientists feel about hearing somebody's star sign as well. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's fascinating. And again, I know I've already sort of name dropped slash, slash referenced a few of the podcasts we've already done, but go back and listen to the, I think it was Nunya Ur when we had them on and they were talking about the fact that they still do the yelling into the vat, like oh. to, uh, to get rid of the bad spirits. But you can oh. sort of see how that, yeah, that might be a way of actually introducing yeast. You know, you've got your special stick, I think they said, and you've got your yelling into the vat. Like you can sort of see how that is both superstition and yeah, actually a practical way to pass on a brewing tradition. Yeah. Um, just vague hope that the sky god will come down and help the lager okay. seems a little bit. You know. Although when I lose a massive sale or something I've been working on for months, I do love a yell into the void and it is a silent like thing <laughs> and it is arguably some of the best shit to do. And who knew the void was always inside us all along? Exactly. God knew. God knew. If we counted on him for our yes, we would know. Um, Mark's asked a question and I think we should shoot it out now since we've once again moved away from the beer itself. <laughs> the the coat of arms on the can. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that's so the... that... <laughs> <laughs> that was something that we did last year because we really hmm. scrambled to put everything together last year. Um, we didn't really know uh, how to actually do it, so we had this idea to um, call it back to the coat of arms from the, each stud where the. The city. city where the beer's from. So the idea was um, if you're super interested in the history of the beer, you can Google where it's from and the coat of arms and stuff. So we did the same thing this year because it, I just feel like it's so, it's such a fantastic um, idea because obviously Oktoberfest branding is particularly limited because people only really think of the Bavarian colours, which is in the middle square. Um, and I think where we lived in Germany, there was um, a, it's called Deutsche Eck, which is like the elbow of Germany. And at the tip of where the Rhine and the Moors will meet is actually all 16 flags. And we used to go there quite a bit um, to hang out and um, do shit. Um, and that was a pretty cool way for us to kind of link it back to then again. So, so that coat of arms is the coat of arms of uh, Munich. Yeah, oh, yeah, okay. So yeah. yeah. So so each can um in our Oktoberfest uh pack, which was the uh Freundschaft Zeugungs uh pack, um had the oh, oh, sorry, yeah. sorry. Which had is, the, uh, is that the sound that eels make when they move across the land? Yeah, we've gone into a problem where we're getting longer and longer with these words. At one point, I'm just going to make one up. Nobody's going to know. I'm going to throw my head against the keyboard and then that's going to be yeah. all the <laughs> Um, but yeah, so each each one has the coat of arms of the city of where that beer originated. Um, yeah, yeah, essentially, or where you know became famous. So yeah. like the Radler wasn't really made anywhere, but yeah. it was made famous. It was, in, a in vibe the city. was made. I think as well, we get into a really sticky spot with Oktoberfest beers, where there's so much natural creativity in the beer world as it is. So with an IPA, you really have free reign on what um on what you're putting in because there's no real historic links to anything you're doing Oktoberfest you you should be in my opinion as 
honourable if you're claiming it as an Oktoberfest beer as possible. Um, so that's why we decided to kind of go as traditional as possible. Honestly, you can do whatever the uh, We digress. We drink all beer. <laughs> <We> just- <laughs> there's, the, there's the clap. <laughs> yeah. um, Warren, why don't you talk to the guys about the alt beer? <laughs> yeah. Guys, alt beer. What is alt beer? So alt beer is a um is like literally means old beer, and it doesn't mean old as in uh, like an old recipe or or whatever. It means it's the old way of fermentation, which was always top fermentation because the bottom fermentation yeast was not yet really, well, wasn't, wasn't known. Um, um, because, because back in the day, it was, they would always uh, scoop the, the Krausen, which is like the foam that develops at the top of the um, fermentation. They would scoop that off because they knew it was important. Didn't know it was yeast, but they knew they needed that to start the fermentation. So they'd scoop that off and then they'd use that in the next beer and the next beer and the next beer. And that was that's always like a, a good top fermenting yeast. So it was just like a natural yeast that they would get. Um, but then during the periods when brewing was forbidden during the summer, so they had to lager the beer. So Verboten. Sorry? Verboten. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so they were it was forbidden during the summer, so that um so they had to store the beers in the in the you know in the mountains and stuff like that. And during that time, they actually noticed yeast settling out and then sitting on the bottom of the of the you know vessels. Mm-hmm. And then that's when they actually figured out lager yeast was a thing. Um, so the alt beer or old beer literally just relates back to the old method of fermentation. So top fermenting. Anyway, so. I digress. Um, As per? Oh, no, actually, that is no, right on top That's not But the, um, the Altbier originates from Dusseldorf, which it should say on the can, which it does, which is why now you have the Dusseldorf flag or coat of arms on the can. And so Dusseldorf is just across the river from Cologne, which is where the Kölsch um, originated from. And those two are the, just off the top of my head, uh, there's, there's essentially three ales in Germany. There's Weizen, which I mentioned before. And then there's Altbier and Kölsch. And there's, you know, a couple of others, but they're like the three that everyone knows. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so the Altbier is from Dusseldorf. It's, it's uh, darker. There's, there's a good balance between malt and hops, but the malt shines through, getting some more caramel, toasty notes, a bit of, a bit of yeah, caramel sweetness there. Um, the, the nose is, is malt dominant. But there is still a bit of fitness there to, to just sharpen it up uh, at the end of your palate to 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 say the best thing. Um, so yeah, anyway, you got anything to say about that beer? Um. Oh, actually, this is. <laughs> oh, no, you go. No, no, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Sorry. Um, no, you got the floor, babe. No, no, go for it. No, I insist. No, no. I insist. No, you, you go. <laughs> no, I can either cut this out or I'll just let it sort of go. So just <laughs> yeah. while you guys, I'm just really just trying to fill this while you guys sort it out. So. Um, the first time we had an Altbeer was with um, Michael's second cousin. And we were at this like mm. weird, like really, really run down um, uh, like pub. And it was like, in Germany, we're talking. I'm not being sorry. Sorry, yes, I apologize. In Germany, um, in Cologne, like across the river, 
And I remember getting like really bad looks for ordering it. And she was like, oh, it's not what people drink over here. You should be drinking a Kölsch. And I was like, babe, it's four in the morning. I just don't think people care. Turned out they did. They did. <laughs> yeah, because there's a massive rivalry between the two cities, uh, Alpia versus Kölsch. And, uh, and yeah, it's, it's against Lee. It's, oh, sorry. It's essentially Ford versus Holden, but in the beer world. I find that fascinating because Kolsch, I guess, is a style that most people in Australia, at least, are reasonably familiar with, even if they don't know it by that name. Mm. Um, yeah. Altbier, I sort of feel like the first time that we had you guys on the show was maybe the first time I'd ever seen something packaged with that name on it out of an Australian brewery. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Actually, I'm trying to remember. Uh, I'm not trying. Yeah, I it can't. Could be, it could be right. Um, so like slow lane does an incredible out beer, yeah. actually. That's a fucking banger beer. That's um, in the pack. Yeah, yeah, amazing, amazing. I mean, everything out of slow lane is incredible. Um, you could be right. I don't think um we kind of um with most of Oktoberfest beers we brew for memories. Um, so we don't really have references in Australia to go from. Mm. If we're doing an IPA, there's bits and pieces that we've liked over this course of how many years that we link from. But like with the um, Oktoberfest beers, it's always um, callback to a very time. You could be right. I don't remember seeing a lot of out beer around there. Um, but I'm sure there's stuff that we would just miss. It's an incredible beer style. But I do, I think, I don't understand why people from Melbourne don't drink it more because it does have these like really light coffee notes to it um, and like kind of burntness that in winter would be a great, like a great beer to have. Um, so yeah, I don't know why people don't do it more. Oh, Muggs has chimed in uh, with his library of beer knowledge and he reckons Red Oak. Uh, in Sydney, 2006, about 2006 was the first time he saw an Aussie Altbier. So yeah. there you go. Um, yeah, it's got it. I totally agree. It has got these kind of burnt toffee coffee. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it has like almost jammy. Sorry to interrupt. Like jammy. Like, um, depending. Um, yeah, what you've eaten. Sometimes there's almost like sumo mandarin flavoring in there as well like really sweet jammy notes um mm. and it's a beautiful beer mm. um, i've noticed not as as carbonated as as some other beer styles is that a is that part of the is that part of an old beer <laughs> yeah correct correct so like uh, actually we had a uh, three fantastic beers to talk about carbonation on so we started with the uh the hadis ralph beer which is at a very uh, standard um 5.2 uh so 5 so 5.2 grams per liter or uh what's that 2.6 volumes of co2 um and then we've got the the uh Weizen, which is at uh 6.2 grams per liter which is then 3.1 volumes per C of co2 and then the up is a little bit lower it's in the th two fours um <coughs> So, so yeah, so it is. And that um, is on the lower side for alt beer, but I actually really like it because mm. with darker beers, having a little bit less uh, carbonation, so a little bit less tingliness on your tongue and stuff like that, means it just kind of sits a, a tad bit heavier, mm. for lack of a better word. 
I think it just um it really I don't know it really helps the 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 malts come through a bit more. And this is I mean this is why we do it with our stouts um and our darker beers. We just we just drop the carbonation back a little bit just to yeah allow the allow the malts to um to shine through. Um and actually while we also really like doing our stouts on nitro um to again go even yeah yeah to make it even even heavier for lack of a better word i, I want to jump in with a question here warren's got the lead on this beer but uh, there was one question that was particularly put on our facebook we always ask on our facebook and instagram for people to ask questions that they'd like us to ask uh, and Daniel uh, chimed in with a question about the Lichtenheiner. I know a different beer than what we're discussing at the moment, but again, a really sort of iconic German style that perhaps we don't see a whole lot of in Australia. And he was asking a really specific question about uh, the percentage of smoked malts and the type of malts used in that beer. And um, again, I think people find these kinds of things fascinating. It doesn't need to be a precise answer, Michael, but your knowledge of that kind of data that you were just throwing out there about, you know, CO2 levels is, is what reminded me to ask the question. You yeah. seem to have all this in your head in a way that so few people do. Yeah. Um, well, no, nah, I think every brewer would have this because. I don't agree with that, but go on. Okay. But um, I, I, I'm with you, Chloe. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, um, so with this particular Lichtenheiner, um, there's not that much smoked malt in it. Um, and in Lichtenheiners in general, there's not that much. So let's, I mean, next week you guys are, uh, having the, the Schenkeler, um, <gasps> yeah. That's right. <laughs> so a nice little, uh, yeah, thank you. Good, great work. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. So with, with Schenkeler. And, and then we've got Weinstefan coming to town in November. Live Amazing. event. Amazing. Um, I'll tell the family. state of mind, baby. It goes on for us however long you want it to. <laughs> But yeah, so with with Schenkeler, you will learn a lot about um, their malt, uh, their smoke beers and stuff like that. And some of their smoke beers, I mean, I know maybe I'll uh, learn differently next week. But from what I understand, <laughs> of some of their smoke Sorry. beers are one hundred percent smoked malt. And this is the Bumbag um, Beechwood smoked uh, malt. Um, the Hellas Ralph beer that we first had was a very low percentage. It's fifteen to twenty percent. Um, yeah, fifteen to twenty percent. Uh, where no, actually ours was was yeah fifteen. Um, and then the Lichtenheiner is also not that much. It's like twenty five ish percent. Um, but then the Lichtenheiner also has some wheat in there. Um, has a little bit for uh, a little bit for color, so like a, just a squidge, like a splash of Munich, you know, up to three percent. Um, and then the rest will be a base malt of a pilsner. Um, so. So yeah, but then you've got different variants of of smokiness that you can do. Hellas Ralph, fifteen percent, twenty five for the uh, for for Lichtenheiner, and then our traditional Ralph beer that we do at the brew pub is sixty percent because it's just toned back from the uh, the one hundred percent smoke malt, which which can be a bit much for some people because you know it's it's. It's literally a smoked ham in liquid form, and that can be a bit confronting for some people. So ours is more of a toned down version of that. Mm. Um, so yeah, so that's uh, yeah, so that's the percentage of the of the smoked malts in the Lichtenheiner. 
Yeah. Uh, you're a strange man, Seymour, but you do do smoke a good ham. <laughs> uh, I'm going to take the reins again, and uh, <laughs> I'm going to call this little section of the podcast James Murphy's Corner. Um, <laughs> and where James Murphy will ask a couple of his questions. I need to know what type of horse James Murphy would be on in said corner if you're taking reins. Like what colour? Oh. It would be chestnut. <laughs> I do agree. Proceed. I think it would be a chestnut Clydesdale. Oh, okay. 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 I don't know if it's because we've been talking about people dressing up in chainmail, but I reckon right. like a, a like a proper war horse. Yeah, that's cool. That's a good vibe to give off. Mm, this is this is James Murphy. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, what was the question? <laughs> That's all we were asking you. We, we have room again, a real shout out reminder to first time listeners. One of the great things about joining us live on a Thursday night is that you can ask your questions directly. So after James, Tom, who's a brand new visitor, I think I'm right in saying to the cool room, is going to get to ask his. So come along and be part of being in the cool room on a Thursday night. You can ask your questions and have brewers from all around the world answer those questions for you. Yeah, great to hear from you, Michael and Chloe, that it's been really wonderful. Again, I mean, um, uh, I guess completely entranced by learning more about the the process and everything and your take on everything. But um, what I wanted to ask was, because in our pack, we have, um, I've really become quite taken with Pilsners and I haven't opened them yet because I didn't know what I was going to be trying tonight. So I kept them. But there's the German and the Bohemian Pilsner, and I wanted to ask you what the points of difference were between them and how you define each. Yeah, yeah. No, that's, so that's... Maybe just a bit of backstory on that. Um, oh, yeah. Every town in Germany has a small brewery that people have really strong alliances to. So you might be getting a Pilsner from Hamburg and another one in Munich, but they taste totally different because of the water profile, the, the noble hops that they got access to. So um, Pilsner obviously originally comes from Pilsen. Um, the way I normally describe it to people is the Bohemian one is more kind of sexy and fun and very Moulin Rouge-esque. Um, the German one is the one that would pick her up from the club and drive her home. So super, super reliable, really just fantastic. Um, it's almost like Tasmania in a beer. So like really underrated, um, but incredible to drink with and eat and um, a very pairing um, friendly beer. But now, Chloe, no. Chloe, I want to hear Michael's answer to that. This feels like <laughs> yeah. the Sanders question revisited. Now, so now on a technical basis, so... The Bohemian Pilsner um, is the original Pilsner from, uh, from 1842. It was brewed by Josef Kroll, who was a Bavarian brewmaster. Um, he was notoriously a he, dickhead. Yeah, he was, he, was, he was actually called by his father the rudest man in Bavaria. Which is a trait because they ain't not friendly in Bavaria. Yeah, one time but... I knocked my drink over accidentally in a pub and I asked for a new one and she said no. <laughs> It's okay. I'll edit that out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but they, um, but they, yeah. So, so, um, Josef Grog, um, produced the first, uh, Pilsner in Pilsen, which was Bohemia, which is now today's Czech Republic. Um, 
and he was tasked to brew a large, so a, a beer using the local ingredients, but using the Bavarian fermentation methods, which was bottom fermentation, so a lager. And he used the local hops of SARS hops and the new local pale malts, which were uh, using a new method because of the Industrial Revolution in, in, in London, uh, allowed maltsters to now dry malts with an indirect kilning method, which meant that it wouldn't darken the malt too much. And this was also at the same time that because of the Industrial Revolution, glass is becoming more and more um, available to to your, just your average <clears throat> person. Um, so he was able to produce a, pils, a, a beer that was bottom fermenting, had a, a beautiful, noble, uh, uh, like uh, hop spice, um, earthy tones. And it was a pale, clear beer, um, which you could see through the glass. Um, and that was the very first Pilsner. And it had 40 IBU, so it was quite bitter. Um, and it was just beautiful golden color. Now let's go over the border to Germany and the Bavarians were very much in their, their Schwarzbier, their Dunkelis and their Weizens and stuff like that. And they were like, fuck, we're not doing a pale beer. That's stupid. Why would we ever do that? And then sitting in the beer garden each day, more and more Pilsners would start sitting on the tables and the brewers would be looking around being like, what is this pale beer that's coming out here? This is ridiculous. Why aren't they drinking our, our, our Dunkelis, our Schwarzbiers and stuff like that? And so Germans being, you know, stubborn people that, that we are, and we're just like, we're doing a Pilsner. So they started doing a Pilsner um, and how it varies from the Bohemian Pilsner is that um, it was slightly lower IBU, so a little less bitter, um, also using a, a similar malt, but then now created in Germany because they had adopted that same uh, indirect kilning technique, um, but then using the local German hops, so Halletau, Tetnang, Spalter, um, all these different uh, hop varieties. Um, and then it was the Germans' ways of pushing back, being like, nah, we can do this too, pretty much. Um, so, yeah, so how they vary is in bitterness is the biggest thing. Uh, uh, James, if you do have those beers side by side, you'll find that there is a very assertive bitterness with the Bohemian Pilsner. Um, you get some... Uh, earthy spice tones and it is a, a a very light golden yellow color whereas the german pilsner is uh, a lo uh, lower in bitterness um, you get more herbal flowery notes um, and it's more like straw to yellow in color both very clear and clear because we use a centrifuge at, at burnley um, but yeah and also the german pills uh the germans will make sure that they don't call it a pilsner because they do respect the fact that the original pilsner is from pilsen so if you ever look at a german brewery they should call it a pils because they it's just you know it's like there's no official rule that you can't call it a pilsner but the germans are like mm, no nah, that's a pils because it's not from pilsen i'm sure that's what i said yeah that's exactly <laughs> the same thing <laughs> um James, did you have a second question? I did. I've just got to commend these guys on their knowledge. It's yeah. incredible. It's, Mate, it's I, agree. Learning I, I love this. It's, it's a huge yeah. honour to have. It's great noting out on beer. Um, but anyway, 
the the other question I had was, uh, well, I've got to start with a bit of an accolade because I really enjoy your alt. And I had a terrible night on alt once in Dusseldorf and it nearly killed me, but this might get me back on track for alt. So, um, but I wanted to ask a question about smoking. So are there grains that you prefer as, you know, smoked entities than others in your brews? Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. So you got like peated malts. Um you know you normally use in, in distilling and stuff like that and you can use that you can use also um oak smoked malts um but me being you know very traditional with our german beers i always stick to the uh, beechwood smoked malt because I, I like those like little ham notes and stuff like that whereas with oak you get like uh you get see i'm not a fan of it so i'm not going to give it justice but like i get like tanniny sort of mm uhness of that uh malt as you can see i can't actually describe it as beautifully as i do the beechwood one um and then also the peated malts are just to me they're just quite stinky um so i i prefer the beechwood malts there are different malts that you can use that and and different smoking methods and everything like that but i i just stick to um to the beechwood because it's just what i like which i did once um try smoking my own malts just as an experiment I was more, it was, it was when I was at school, our, our teachers were like, oh, here's some barley. We encourage you to germ, steep it, germinate it and make your own malt, you know, just a couple of hundred grams um, <clears> so <throat> that we could. Be school, not when you were 12 years old in Australia, <laughs> because you did start your brewing a bit early, didn't you? Yeah, no, that's true. So no, it wasn't when I first, first started. This is when I was properly in Germany. And it was so funny, like, like they, because it was boarding school and the teacher was like, oh yeah, when you're back at home with your parents, you know, try it, try it in the kitchen and something like that. It'd be, you know, pretty fun. But I just started in my dorm room. <laughs> so, so just by my windowsill, I just was essentially making malt to play around with it. And my, my roommates were just like, could you fucking not? <laughs> so that wraps up James's corner. Thanks. Nice. <laughs> well played, James. You're a much valued member of the community. Thanks team. Did you get um, your haircut, James? Is that my understanding? Yeah, I wanted to look my best for tonight. Obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It looks great. And it's great to know that James is back from Liverpool and related cities and that Liverpool had a 7-1 win this morning now that he's no longer there. So thank you, James, for your contribution of leaving Liverpool. Uh, I'm going to cut that out. Don't worry about that. Look, unless <laughs> anyone else has any questions, um, I reckon we might turn off the recorded portion of this uh, yeah. people can chat amongst themselves uh but formally let me say uh it's such an honor to have you guys on and i love the kind of conversations we have because they're both really fun and also just really illuminating the knowledge that you both have uh of how the industry works and of how to brew beer is really phenomenal we have so many guests on and so many uh, just can't speak about beer and the industry in the way that you guys do. It's it's great to have you on. It's why you ask we ask you back every year. So um, thank, thank you. you so much for another year of good good fun. Good teamwork, Mikey. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. <laughs> That's so lovely. Thank you so much. It is legitimately our favorite day of the our favorite um, event of the year. We're not even fucking around. Like watching the Indies. I was going to say, so so, do you want to do a little live bit about what you're watching or shall we just 
Because you're so, not yeah, going yeah. to the Indies tonight. So essentially, so the Indies is the Independent Brewers Association Awards, uh, where, uh, yeah, so essentially we entered a couple of our beers into it to see how they go. We get some feedback from the judges on how they how they uh, how, how they think our beers are going and stuff like that. Um, you know, if you do well, you'll win a few awards and stuff like that. But um, but yeah, so uh, but notoriously, lagers do quite badly. And as a yeah. brewery, yeah. would you believe we do quite badly? Yeah. Um, it's just like down to um, you know, it's such an intense intense couple of days for the judges. So it's like just tasting fatigue um but we've entered the Viton this year and i i know that we won't win anything but i've been waiting for that feedback i'm so excited to see it yeah yeah that feedback's gonna be fantastic so what can what can you share with us that's occurred tonight at the indies absolutely nothing so far they're sitting on a um sofa oh fantastic i love it yeah i'm in hype mode yeah (laughs) i am getting a lot of messages from people asking why i'm not there uh, and check, check my Facebook, uh, check my Instagram story, babe. You'd not be doing the podcast. <laughs> well, that's a. How about this as a way to round things off formally? Can you share, please, all of the different social media accounts we should be following, especially now that there's a venue one as well as a brewery one, and whatever else you'd like to share. Yeah, and then we'll click a couple, um, couple of ones. Um, our Pride and Joy is the one that nobody interacts acts with, but we're the most followed Australian brewery, which is sick. It's TikTok, baby. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Um, so actually, it may have just been overcome by Bison, I think. Bison's done it. Anyway, so we love TikTok. Um, which is at, we, at Burnley Brewing. Yeah, at Burnley Brewing. Instagram um, is at Burnley Brewing. We have a um, behind the beers one, which is like the nerdier um, option, which Michael runs. Um, <laughs> Was and... that meant to sound pointed? Because it, it did. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I very rarely misspoke. Um, yeah, so I think it's just the three. We did have a wholesale one for a while, but it just wasn't really getting any traction and wasn't really um, organic. So I think we're going to shut down. And that one was uh, run by Chloe. So, uh... <laughs> <laughs> nice. She's a busy gal. Okay. <laughs> well, we'll all jump onto the tickety tockities to follow that. That's the... Yeah. It's really funny because we, the, the, um, the videos that we make on TikTok and put onto Instagram are, is the content that we, um, the most natural organic growth on social media. So everything else, normally you have to pay for promotion um, and stuff like that. But TikTok content, we don't actually pay for anything and it's the biggest growth that we get from it. So the biggest day that we've ever had, five of the biggest days, one of them was when Range acknowledged us as existing, which was awesome. The <laughs> second one was the Dingo at My Taco tap takeover and the next three were TikToks that just went weirdly viral. Well, that's genuinely fascinating from someone like me. Like I've like within the next seven days, I think I'm gonna have to start one of those LinkedIn accounts that all the kids have. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't have LinkedIn, LinkedIn, because I don't think my job is technically what you classify as an adult job. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's so... that's been my response to my entire working career. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not a great attitude for an ex-teacher, but hey. <laughs> yeah, but my kids will remember that, so don't worry. <laughs> um yeah it's weird it's it's really interesting um the data behind social media is so interesting to me because it's 
um, the th cool thing about TikTok is it's so unpredictable. And um, as somebody that kind of like thrives in that weird need, like that weird um, chaotic energy, if you haven't noticed, TikTok's mm. a great one for us because it's an instant mood booster. Like if you're having a really bad day at the brewery, you just make one where you're having beer thrown at your face. Suddenly you're laughing. <laughs> pretzels in a fermenter in your TikTok? Pardon me? Have you got pretzels in a, in a fermenter? Yeah, that's ah, what we did. Yeah, that yeah. was our, um, our Gab's beer. We did a Lichtenheiner that, so the sour oh, yeah. was um, done with pretzel. And then the... No, the sour was with the... No, no, no. That was the that was the Gabs beer. Oh, the Gabs oh, beer. I thought we were going to stop recording beer. before they started bickering. No, this is bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that was our Gabs Melbourne beer was a bretzel sour, so we put a bunch of bretzels in it. It was a pretty good beer, actually. Mm. All right. That was amazing. Thank you very much, guys. It's always a pleasure to have you on. Dude, you're still recording? Yeah, we're closing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 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 thanks guys thanks for having thank us thank you yeah thank you so much for having us